Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, it is my privilege to introduce Dr. Marwan Sabah. He's the new director for the Cleveland Clinic Lou Rubo Center for Brain Health in Las Vegas. He's very new, started this role May 1st, but he brings more than 27 years' experience in the field of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, recently, he served as director of the Alzheimer's Disease and Memory Disorders Division at the Barrow Neurological Institute at Digni Dignity Health St. Joseph's Hospital and Medical Center in Phoenix. Uh, his wife is still there, he tells me, uh, coming soon. Uh, Dr. Sabah completed his residency training in neuro neuro neurology at Baylor College of Medicine and completed his fellowship training in geriatric neurology and dementia at the University of California, San Diego Medis School of Medicine. He's a clinician, researcher, and author who has um, authored more than four books uh, and more than 300 medical and scientific articles on Alzheimer's disease and research. So at this point, I turn over the meeting to Dr. Sabah. Thank you for having me. I'm going to stand here so I can advance my own slides. Uh, people are asking me, is it a shock to move to Las Vegas? I said, well, I'm from Phoenix, so this is a break. Uh, I, I'm a geriatric neurologist, dementologist, all dementia, all the time. I've been doing this for a long, long time. I was in Sun City, Arizona, then I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm in Las Vegas. So Cleveland Clinic Lou Rubo Center for Brain Health, it's a dream come true for me. Uh, it's like winning the lottery every day for an Alzheimer's researcher. Uh, and why? Because if you want to know where the greatest things are happening, it's happening here. Imagine that, here in Las Vegas, the groundbreaking research is happening right now. So I'm going to give you a short version of a lecture I gave at Harvard two months ago, and I will try not to see you guys glaze over with the eyes, because I know it's going to happen in about five slides. Why are we doing this? I don't need to tell you. You live in Las Vegas. The reality is 1 in 20 over, 80, uh, over 65 get Alzheimer's dementia. By the time you are 85, it's 1 in 3. If you're a baby boomer, it's about 1 in 8 will get Alzheimer's. This is not a rare thing. This is a very common thing. It's happening and I need to tell you, of course, it's happening a lot in this town because the demographics of Las Vegas is very similar to what I just left in, in Phoenix, Metro Phoenix. Uh, over 5 million Americans are developing this disease, and 200,000 people will die uh, this year. This is a scary statistic. I say this statistic because in the last 25 years, we've made massive progress in medical advances, medical care. The fact is, is that cancer death is down. Heart death is down, but Alzheimer's disease is going up. In fact, 
of the top 25 diseases that we treat, only Alzheimer's has not gone down in terms of morbidity and mortality. Now, people ask me, what's the point? We're doing nothing, nothing, no progress, etc. And I, I just, ooh, I get a little bit fired up. So you need to know I'm very passionate about my job, my career, this disease. I tell everybody my goal in life is to work myself out of a job. Unfortunately, I have job security for the foreseeable future. I will say to you that we're working very, very hard on it. There have been over 30 drugs tried in the last 15 years. This slide, $8 billion, okay? $8 billion. It's not from a lack of trying. So I just want you to know it's not that we're doing nothing about it. It's just we haven't made as much progress as we'd like to say. But when you look at the list, before people give up, because you hear about companies like Pfizer saying, we're throwing in the towel, we're not going to invest in Alzheimer's R&D anymore, et cetera, et cetera. You need to know there are many, over two dozen drugs still in development for Alzheimer's dementia, okay? And you hear, for the first time, I go to this Alzheimer's meeting just in Chicago three weeks ago called the AAIC. I've been going for almost 20, actually for 20 years. And every year I'm like, eh, it was okay. This year we were excited. We had major advances in biomarkers, a blood test to diagnose Alzheimer's. Wouldn't that be cool? That's in development. Five years ago, we would have thought you're dreaming. We would say you're hallucinating, but you're dreaming. So we're, we're excited to say that's happening. Imagine that. You'll go to your doctor, get a blood test to say you're getting Alzheimer's or not. That's happening. And then we had, for the first time in a long time, seeing positive progress with new drugs being developed. And the reason I say this to you is that we have seen failure after failure after failure. In fact, I'm going to show you a lot of these setbacks. And I'm going to try to make this super short because I was told I need to have extra time for questions in this audience. I was told that. Now, I want to, get, without getting too sciencey on you, I want to talk about this slide here. This slide is my day job. And the reason I say this to you is I spend all my time in clinic seeing people who have the dementia. And before somebody asked me what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, Dementia is the category, Alzheimer's is the type. All Alzheimer's is dementia, not all dementia is Alzheimer's. Got it? It's like saying cancer and breast cancer. Cancer is the category, breast cancer is the type. So dementia is the category, Alzheimer's is the type. There are many kinds of dementia. But the reason I say this to you is when you see me in my clinic, I'm taking care of you somewhere along this. But what we know from the science right now is that the changes in the brain start 20 years before the first day of forgetfulness. Did you hear what I just said? 20 years. By the time you walk in the door to see me, those changes have already occurred. You know, we're trying to put out the fire after the house is burned down. That's what I'm trying to say to you is that we understand the biology, we understand the disease to the point where we're saying we've got to go backwards, and you're going to see now a big push on uh, research for prevention. Now, this is a very sciencey slide, and I'm sorry, but I want to tell you that this is a slide. If you were trying to synthesize all of the drugs in development, dozens and dozens of them, into one slide, this would be it. Okay? We understand that you have a protein called amyloid. We know that once you get amyloid, it starts to damage the rest of the, the brain, so we can either stop the production of it 
or we can remove it from the brain, or we can stop the downstream production of it? And the answer is probably all of it. I believe the future of Alzheimer's disease, dementia, will be chemotherapy, not one drug, five or six drugs. And we will, you'll go in and you'll get multiple drug treatments at the same time, like you do in cancer, because the, comp the biology of, comp of the Alzheimer's dementia is too complex. And I will say to you, for the last 15 years, we've been spending all of our time trying to take care of amyloid, either remove it out of the brain or reduce its production. And that's still a big part of this. In fact, until about a month ago, we would say, don't bother. This hasn't worked. It's failed. It's failed. It's failed again. I'll show you lots of slides. In walks the door three weeks ago. Azi Pharmaceutical says, hold the press. Ban 2401 in case you want to call your stockbroker. Azi Pharmaceuticals, ban 2401, says, oh my gosh, we think the drug is stopping the progression and removing the amyloid at the same time. Only the second, only the second time to show that. And I can't sign for that, by the way. You guys can invest right now while you call your stockbrokers. But as a researcher, I sign my rights away every single time. So every time I open my mouth or do a study, somebody else is making money, and that's the, the deal I sign up for. Now, I will say to you, somebody's going to ask me, will we cure Alzheimer's disease? And I'm at the risk of speaking heresy, the answer is not in my lifetime. I just told you that the changes in the brain are in your brain for 20 years before your first day of forgetfulness. So the cure, as you call a cure, would be to remove the disease that's been in your brain for 20 years. I don't think that's going to be achievable in my lifetime. But I do know that we are very likely to transform Alzheimer's dementia from a terminal disease, as you all know it, to a chronic disease. This is the diabetes and HIV of our time. Certainly plan on being part of that conversation and that process, but my point is, is that we are very, very close to slowing it down in a meaningful way. And people ask me, why? You still have the disease. What's the point? And I say to you, people who have dementia are still people. They're my mom, your mom, my dad, your dad, your relatives, your friends, your neighbors. They want to have a life. They want to have quality of life. So when I talk about treatment, I talk about the idea that I'm not giving you more years, I'm giving you better years. And so the transformation is to make it a chronic disease that is manageable. One day in the very near future, you'll go in, yeah, you're, you're still stable, refill your drugs to you in six months. That time is coming very soon. So we're going to go from changing it from this line here to that line there. That process is underway right now in research. Have we translated to that in the clinic? Not quite yet, but that process is underway in research. So I'm going to give you a brief summary of all the studies that have gone. I'll give you 20 years of science in about five minutes. Um, if I had been here in 2001, I would have said to you, I think we cured Alzheimer's disease. Why? Because a very smart scientist, Dale Schenk, brilliant, brilliant man, a once-in-a-generation kind of scientist, who ended up dying at age 59 from pancreatic cancer, of all things, said, what if we think of this as an infection? What if we give a vaccine 
to the patient. So he did this in a mouse before treatment, after treatment. And we were sure, we were sure we had cured Alzheimer's. 2001. So very rapidly, this drug goes into clinical trial. Um, and I will tell you a typical phase two study well, it has 300, this one had 360 patients enrolled in the study, a drug called AN1792. And usually it would take a year to enroll that study. Six weeks, they enrolled six. People were literally, you very rarely see this, people were literally lining up to get into the clinical trial. Okay? So I know this because that's October of 2000. I remember this very clearly. I was in Sun City, Arizona. We were there, I was the head of the research institute in Sun City, Arizona. And, you know, people were scrambling, you know. Everybody's calling me literally on my cell phone, like, can I get in the trial? Mar January 2002, I start hearing a bit of problems. And by March of 2002, the FDA steps and says, stop. We had 18 cases of encephalitis, meaning brain swelling, and five people died. Now, before you get really upset about this, I show you this. When they looked at the brain autopsies, they showed that the, it worked. The amyloid was removed. You see this? It's amazing. Remember, we went to the moon on Apollo 11. Does anybody remember? Some of you are old enough to remember Apollo 1. What happened to Apollo 1? It burned up on the launching pad. Did that stop us from going to the moon? Absolutely not. So my point is, is that Okay, we understand we can do this. The way we did it first time, not so good. How do we go from there? Then becomes the way that medicine is transforming, and that is called a monoclonal antibody. So if you actually follow, if you watch TV and you're going to watch the football season, every drug uh, is now, every disease is about what you can inject you know, rheumatoid arthritis and all these other diseases are now injections and you go get your doctor to inject a drug to clear out your disease. That's called a monoclonal antibody. And it's not new to medicine, it's just new to Alzheimer's. So we're just doing what other people in other disciplines are doing and we're doing it in Alzheimer's disease. So the idea is that you have a protein, you infuse the protein, the protein has a program on it to target the disease that it's trying to do attack, and then that little antibody floats around until it sees that disease protein and clears it out. It grabs it like a scavenger, grabs it and pulls it out of the body. Again, new to Alzheimer's, not new to medicine. Monoclonal antibodies are very common in a lot, a lot of different diseases. So I'm going to show you why band 2401 ASI pharmaceuticals is exciting because the data has not been that good until now. What we have shown is that either the drug removes the disease or it improves the clinical symptoms, but not both at the same time. Sounds pretty obvious. Well, what, what do you mean by that? So this is a drug that I was one of the principal leading global investigators, bapinuzumab. This paper was published in New England Journal of Medicine um, uh, uh, a, few a couple years ago. Basically, this drug showed very clearly before and after it removed amyloid. That is awesome. Okay, we infused a drug into the body. It went to the brain, pulled out the disease. Right? 
And we know because the amyloid levels went down. But there's always a, a but, right? The drug did not work. The blue and the black line, the placebo and the blue line didn't work. Now, people ask me, well, I don't understand. How could that be? I happen to tell you that I was one of the earliest investigators on this drug. And I will say to you that the first time they put this in human beings, the doses we used at the very first studies were 10x higher than the drugs they, the study they, the drug that they use at the last dose, I mean the dose they use at the last study. And people say the drug didn't work. I think they just cut the dose so low because there were worries about brain swelling and safety that they just kept lowering and lowering and lowering the dose. And so the outcome, the primary evidence is the drug doesn't work. My interpretation is we dosed it too low. But the drug has been put on the shelf, not coming back. So another drug at the same time, that this was you were hearing a lot about Eli Lilly and company. They had a competing drug called solanezumab. And solanezumab was a drug that was super duper safe, no issues about toxicity. And they said, well, instead of trying to, uh, it, it didn't show any evidence of removing amyloid on your scan. So you got your scan, the before and after looked the same, but it did show a slight reduction in the rate of decline, about a 34% reduction in the rate of decline. Now, what they ended up doing is repeating this study with the ex what's called Expedition 3, and that clinical trial read out because they said if you give it longer and longer and longer, the trajectory should diverge and you'll just stabilize. That was the theory. And there was evidence to support this in the early studies suggesting the longer you were on it, to see how the curve starts to flatten out. You see that? They start to flatten out. So the disease was stabilizing the patient. Well, then they went to a large phase three study and showed that you read it out. It was Thanksgiving. No, it was right after Thanksgiving 2016. You heard about Lilly reporting a failed drug trial. That's this drug trial, okay? And the funny part about it is that the way the, the press said about it is that didn't work. That's actually not what the data actually showed. The data showed that it didn't meet its specified endpoint for what they had to go in front of the FDA, but all other study parameters were positive, meaning the drug did work. And they said they wanted, an they wanted a 15% difference between the placebo and the treatment. They had an 11%. And they sat in a boardroom. I know this because I was an advisor of the company. And they're like, they're a billion and a half into this program now. And they're like, either, what do we do? And they killed it off. Okay? Only 4% points difference between that drug approved and treated in the hospital down the street and shelved. 4%. When I tell you this, this is, a, this is what we deal with in our scientific discussions every day. We anguish over methodology, outcome measures. Elaine, who is, runs my imaging center, she does all these scans. All the ones I showed you, those are the scans she's doing. Another drug that's now back in development is cronazumab, and that drug shows that in the mildest forms, uh, earliest stages of dementia, it is slowing disease, and that drug is moving along. Another drug called gantanerumab has shown very, very clearly that they can remove amyloid. Clinical efficacy was very limited. And then we come to aducanumab. So also call your stockbroker. This is BIIB037, in case you're wondering. Biogen, Biogen. 
Everybody gets off their phone. But <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> I know. I can't. Like I said, I signed up, signed away. Thanks to Martha Stewart, I signed all my rights away. I'm just totally serious, by the way. <laughs> um, but what it showed for the first time ever is that when you removed amyloid, this is going from placebo to the highest dose. The more, the higher the dose, the more amyloid you removed. That's a good thing, right? And for the first time ever, it showed that the memory scores stabilized. This is the placebo. This is how much worse they got in a year. This is the, this is the highest group. The higher the dose, the more stable they were. First time showing that the direction you expect with the amyloid removal and the clinical effect is the same. This was about two, three years ago. Aducanumab, BIAB037. Only now do we see for the second time ever BAN2401 showing a roughly similar effect. Before you get excited and say, bye, 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 I do want to tell you there are risks with this drug. In certain groups, there is brain swelling. 50% of people in certain groups will have a little swelling called uh, uh, vasogenic edema. Now, here's the funny part about that. Before people get really upset, it turns out that most of the time, patients aren't aware of the, the changes in the brain, and neither is the doctor. It just they happen to see it on a scan. So we think that's a scary thing at the beginning, but we're now managing it to the point where we might just kind of push ahead and keep going. This drug, 2021-2022. A lot of people are betting the, on this drug to be the first real drug, next real drug approved to treat Alzheimer's dementia. 2021-2022. Okay? So let me just tell you that um, there was another drug class called beta-secretase inhibitors that are um, trying to re reduce the production. And uh, the short answer is they showed a lot of liver toxicity and not a lot of effect. So I just want to skip that part. Then there was a drug, a company called uh, TauRx, that's trying to uh, uh, target another uh, protein called Tau. And their drug didn't work. But Tau, remember you heard 10 minutes. Remember that you hear that there are plaques and tangles, right? That's what you hear about Alzheimer's, plaques and tangles. All those things I told you about is targeting plaques. They don't target tangles, target tangles. And why is that important? Because it turns out that tangles correlates with progression better than plaques. And so people would say, well, why aren't you targeting tangles instead of targeting plaques? And the answer is biology. The fact is, is that plaques are on the outside of brain cells. Tangles are on the inside of brain cells. And it's really, really hard to get drugs into the brain to begin with. Now you have to get them from the brain, inside the brain substance, into the brain cells themselves really, really, really hard. Okay? That's why they haven't been targeting tangles, because they can't get them in the brain cells. I mean, human science technology is great. It still has, we have ways to get there. But it turns out that some very smart scientists said, well, when a brain cell dies, it releases the tangles. It releases the tau. It releases the proteins. And what happens, they've discovered, is that those proteins are then taken up by other brain cells in the area. So they're thinking, well, what if we try to block that? What if we try to block the spread from cell to cell to cell? And that's what this is about. Um, and so the new hot thing 
is trying to target tau. That's this, uh, and so we could, because tau is part of microtubules, we could block its aggregation, stabilize the microtubules, we could block its spread from one area to the other. So this is the new area of tremendous research in Alzheimer's dementia, is instead of targeting plaques and amyloids, you target tangles instead. And I think this, oh, no, it's not. I was hoping, nope, it's not. Uh, I was going to show you a, a nice video showing how the monoclonal antibody, that's this thing right here, would grab those little wisps of uh, tau and block it from going into the next brain cell. So this is all brand new, okay? I would tell you, this is, this is not even a year old, okay? Uh, and that's what I love about my field. You go to the conference, and we're all meeting, and we're presenting our data, and they say, forget what you learned last year. This is what we're doing this year. It's just like that. It's really exciting. There is no aluminum from 25 years ago. So who, whoever's going to ask me about aluminum 25 years ago, okay? I'm worried about what happened last month. Got me? Okay. Now, there's a new area of research uh, for a, something called RAGE. It has nothing to do with your anger issues. RAGE stands for the Receptor for Advanced Glycation End Product. And the idea is that RAGE is a receptor in your brain. Amyloid binds to it and, it, and then causes a whole bunch of things to occur. And if we just stop the block, the RAGE receptor, like right here, then all these bad things stop occurring. The clinical trials suggest that that is a good idea. And here is the drug. That, this is the phase two trial. And I happen to know this because I'm the global principal investigator for the phase three program, showing that the people who took the drug slowed the rate of decline. And if you were in the mildest group, it worked really fantastically. And so you're, since you get your phones out, VTB Therapeutics, TransTech Pharma, TTP488, okay? Uh, we were excited about a class of drugs called 5-HT6 antagonists. The 5-HT6 antagonists were supposed to boost brain chemicals in the brain. Worked great in the early studies, latest studies, no effect. Another drug class we were very excited about is uh, the uh, ansenoclin, which is a drug also to improve uh, uh, neurochemicals in the brain. Worked great in the preliminary studies, no effect in the last round of studies. So where's the field going? The field is going in here. Like I said to you, what I'm showing you now is what we if you go to a conference in Alzheimer's, it's almost a guarantee they're going to show you this slide because this is like our gospel at this moment is the slide. So like I said, I spend my day job here, right? But I will say to you that the changes occur years. And the interesting thing about, the, about that is we can detect those changes with spinal taps and scans of your brain. We can tell you if those changes are already occurring, even if you're not having symptoms. So you could be normal and have an Alzheimer's changes occurring in your brain. So we can now the technology has matured and advanced enough that we can detect those changes right now. And that's very exciting. And so we see that that's what the detection of amyloid is. We can look at spinal fluid. We can look at MRI structure. Why do I care? Because the future is prevention. Ten years ago, I would have said to you, the idea of preventing Alzheimer's is just a fool's errand. You're dreaming. I'm here to tell you there are seven trials going on now, seven trials trying to 
intervene before you have symptoms. Okay? Either you have a genetic marker or you have disease in your brain before you have symptoms. And the idea is pretty straightforward. You find those people, you give them a drug, stop them from getting into the symptomatic phase. Right? Sounds pretty good. This drug, A4, is done to enrollment. 1,100 people show, uh, signed up. Uh, ongoing now. This is the people in this Columbia, South America. That was in 60 minutes. This is the U.S. version of that. There was a, another study after this one, A4, called A5, or early, had to stop because it was causing a lot of liver damage. So what I'm trying to say to you is there's a lot of studies going on. I am trying, there's a new study about to start uh, called the Pointer Study, uh, which is a lifestyle intervention study, kind of copying the, the Swedish finger study. I, I am hot to get that study, and I, I'm twisting a lot of arms to get that study because I think that would be vital to this community. Okay? And it's actually, I think I have a good shot at it. I'm talking to the vice president of the Alzheimer's Association on Monday, um, and that would be awesome. A clinical trial that investigates prevention by lifestyle, blood pressure, education, uh, uh, cognitive stimulation, physical exercise. The idea is that the people who do that will protect their brains. And we're going to, I'm trying. That'll make the news, okay, if I get that one. So people always ask me about statins. People ask me about vitamins, supplements, ginkgo, Prevagen. Ask me during the Q&A. All I can say is omega-3s we thought were super important. They might help in prevention. They did not work as a treatment for Alzheimer's. Brain exercises, no, physical exercise works. I mean it, okay? Some people say to me, this is just every doctor recommends exercise. Well, there's clear evidence that people who exercise increase a brain chemical called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And people who go from sedentary to exercise will improve their memory scores 10% right off the bat. 10% right off the bat. And that is not because your doctor said so. The data is so rich that there's a clinical trial called EXERT going on, testing it as a treatment for mild cog for pre-Alzheimer dementia. That is how good the data is. And there will be prevention trials around this as well. Now, people always ask me, drugs versus lifestyle. And I know I'm going to wrap up. I'll, I'll wrap up with this slide. Uh, actually, one more slide. This is just saying that lifestyle interventions, physical exercise, cognitive stimulation, other things, they work. The science is there. There is evidence they work. So what I'm just trying to say to you is you're, you're like, oh, it's, it doesn't work. It's mushy science. I will tell you that the data for intervention at the very beginning stages of the dementia called mild cognitive impairment works better than the drug trials, just to let you know. So the conclusion is that Alzheimer's is transforming from a terminal disease to a chronic disease. And there are 75 drugs in development. We are going to, we're part of that, this community. People ask me, why did I move? And the answer is, I wanted to go from being, I started my career as an observer of the disease. Then I wanted to be a participant of the disease. Now I want to lead. We, the Cleveland Clinic, wants to lead the disease. These things are not happening somewhere else. They're happening here in Las Vegas. So what I ask you to do is support us. We have a lot of participate. Please 
We have a whole bunch of brochures there that Lane will hand them out. We need people to participate in our research studies. We need to, we'd love to have you come and visit us. We'd love to have you give you a tour. It's a pretty cool building if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's the famous Frank Gehry building in downtown. It's funny because my son's a sophomore at Cornell, and he, uh, he's like text me. He's at a lecture in his, one of his college courses, and they show the picture of the Ruvo Center in his college course. And he's like, Dad, they're showing your institute. I'm like, yeah. It's not my institute. It's the community's institute. But he was uh, very excited. So this is happening here. I look forward to working with you, meeting all of you, and thank you very much. My, uh, our friend from Paris, her mother has Alzheimer's, and it's getting worse. She said she read an article in a French magazine that uh, there's a theory that as a young person you can get a virus that's suppressed yeah. throughout life, and yeah. then when you get older, it blossoms. So that's, uh, that's uh, one of the theories that has been kicked around a lot of them. They're, by the way, great. Some of the best physicians in the world in Alzheimer's. Uh, Bruno Dubois at Salpetriere, top, top guy. And you can refer him from me. Uh, but uh, the answer is, sorry, uh, is that that's a theory. Not everybody agrees on that. Hi. Um, I have a question. As far as what do you personally do right now? Is there anything that you avoid or any supplements you're taking? Yes. Uh, I'm lucky that it doesn't run in my family yet. My parents are both still alive and they're still well from a cognitive standpoint. But I, I drink this Kool-Aid, okay? I, I buy this stuff. I, uh, I exercise pretty much every day. I, um, I do a lot of mental, by my very nature of my job, I do a lot of mental stimulation. I sleep a consistent amount because I know that's good for brain health and reduces amyloid production. The supplements I'm up and down on, sometimes I take B supplements, D, I know people talk about Prevagen, they talk about vitamin E, they talk about things like that. And I maximize my health status. You know, the whole discussion about Bredesen, because I think that's where you're going, is Bredesen, is that Bredesen is really kind of talking about if you do everything right, you can reduce risk. And, you know, we can mix the messenger and the message, but there is some truth to the science that he's putting forth. And so what I'm saying is Mediterranean diet, low saturated fat, um, uh, legumes, uh, olive oil, all the uh, um, antioxidant spices, and I will tell you the short answer is: find me on Google, find me on Amazon, buy my books. I have four books, <laughs> and I talk about. I drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not kidding. I'm actually about that. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. So I read about some uh, research that couples sleep deprivation. Yes. Uh, with Alzheimer's, and is there anything that can be learned about what the chemical effects are yes. that would yes. lead to a drug? Yeah, yeah, so that's a very, very critical question. Um, there's two aspects to that question. One is that people who have chronic sleep problems, sleep apnea in particular, that's just wrecking their brain, okay? It's bad for their circulation. It's bad for their cognition. And I will tell you, I've diagnosed more sleep apnea than you would ever dream uh, as a treatment for their memory. And when they do the CPAP, which everybody hates, everybody hates, by gosh, it works. People's brain function, cognitive abilities, memory gets better. So by itself, treating sleep deprivation is a good idea and not Tylenol PM. So for whoever who's taking Tylenol PM, throw it in the garbage right now. 
It's making your memory worse. Second, second, is that there is some clear evidence that sleep disruption, fragmentation, is associated with amyloid production. What you read is correct, okay? And I always say that I kind of roll my eyes when I hear about me and Dr. Google, because that's a Dr. Google deal, but that one is correct. So there is some truth to that. And so the idea is that if you have a stable, robust amount of sleep, it will protect your brain. So you, you read correctly. I think we're out of time for questions. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for that really interesting um, presentation. Uh, I'd like to present you with an award that we give to all of our speakers. It's called the Share What You Can Award, and we will give a, a meal to a needy veteran in your name. Thank so you thank you so much for coming. Great program. Thank you. As we leave here today, let us go forth into the world in peace, be of good courage, hold fast that which is good, render to no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all persons, love and serve each other, rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary, be people of action, be the inspiration. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at lasvegasrotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.